Let's go to Genesis. We are currently in a series through the book of Genesis until the Lord says stop. Why do you say that? Because I really didn't want to embark on a 50-chapter study. I mean, if it took five years to get through 21 chapters of John, there's no telling how long we would end up in Genesis. So, But here we are, anyway, just trying to be obedient to the Lord. Genesis chapter 2, we're beginning a new chapter this morning. In chapter 1, we studied God's six literal days of creation. At the conclusion of chapter 1, God saw everything that He had made and He declared it was very good. I use that as an opportunity to suggest that we are meant to take stock of our life, to look at what our life is, kind of just pull back a little bit and reflect. Where's your life at? Can it be said that it's very good? Or would we say we're still living in the mess that we made of our life? Only God can take our lives and put the pieces back together and make us very good in His sight. And when you give your life over to God, He makes us a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Even as believers, we can still make a mess of our lives. We can choose to live in direct violation of God's Word and do whatever we want. God is not going to force you to live the Christian life. So I would ask the believers this morning, are you enjoying abundant life, which is only found in Christ? Or are you living your own way? You cannot do better with your life than God can do with it. So just let God take control of your life. Now, after six days of creation, we come to chapter 2. And in my opinion, the first three verses here fit better at the conclusion of chapter 1. But since I wasn't around when they were making chapter divisions, or since nobody really cares my opinion, and that's just what I think, amen. Let's begin chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them... And on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. We see in verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. God finished all that He set out to accomplish. And aren't you glad this morning that God finishes what He begins? I got stuck just on that thought as I intended to take the message in a different direction. I kept thinking about God finishing His work. So we're just going to park it right here today. When God finished creating, it was very good and He rested from all His work. Now, God wasn't tired. He might get tired with some of your drama. but Lord, please help my filter to work this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God rested from all His work. But there came a day in Genesis chapter 3 when God would have to work again. 
Adam and Eve would take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God said not to eat from. And when they did, sin entered the world. And this set in motion God going back to work. God would say to Satan in Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God was saying the promised seed of Christ was going to come on the scene one day. God would now embark on another work, the work of redeeming mankind. Though in God's foreknowledge He knew all of this was going to happen, and though Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the work had to be finished if mankind was going to be reconciled back to God. Romans 11, verses 33 and 34, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out! For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been His counselor? And this set in motion a 4,000 year trail of blood through the Old Testament. It began in Genesis chapter 3 when God sacrificed the first animals to make Adam and Eve coats of skin to clothe their shame. God was beginning to show the way of salvation wasn't through our own works of sowing fig leaves together, but God was indicating that a blood sacrifice would be needed. And so well before the law was ever instituted, we find the offering of sacrifices. Then in chapter 4 of Genesis, Abel offers to God a more excellent sacrifice when he brought an offering of the firstlings of his flock. The Bible says that the Lord had respect unto Abel's offering and God was further indicating His desire for a blood sacrifice. We find Job offering burnt offerings for his children. We find the patriarchs before the law offering sacrifices at times. And just before God would deliver the children of Israel out from slavery in Egypt, He instituted the Passover. A male lamb of the first year without blemish had to be killed and its blood had to be applied to the doorpost and the top of the doorpost of every house that didn't want the death angel to visit them. The death angel would pass through the land that night and would kill all the firstborn of whose houses the blood was not applied. But God said to His people, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And God was showing the way of redemption would be through blood. And then under the old law covenant, God required animal sacrifices. Throughout the law, daily sacrifices were offered every morning and every evening with the exception of some times when Israel had been conquered for their rebellion or they were under severe oppression. There was a blood offering continually, day by day, blood was offered. But God's work of redemption was not yet fulfilled because the blood of animals could never take away sin. The law was nothing more than a shadow of the one who was to come. Hebrews 10 verses 1 through 4, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance of sin every year. For it is not possible 
that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Hebrews 10.11, And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. All of those sacrifices were only pointing to a better sacrifice to come. The blood of animals could never purge away sin, and yet God was still at work behind the scenes. And all of those sacrifices were only to serve as a reminder that one day God's promised seed, all the way back in Genesis 3.15, was going to arrive on the scene. After God had had enough of Israel's rebellion, God went silent for 400 years after the book of Micah. But God had not forgotten His promise. Then one day, seemingly out of the blue, but according to God's perfect timing, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Virgin Mary and said in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And then the angel of the Lord would appear to Joseph in a dream and say of Mary in Matthew 1.21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The very thing that all those sacrifices could not accomplish, God said that the one who was going to be born would save people from sins. God's work was beginning to be manifested in Israel. Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Thirty years later, one day, John the Baptist is on the banks of the Jordan River. Whoop! It's starting to hit me, Amen. And as he's out there baptizing one day, up comes Jesus and the Bible says he's walking towards him. And John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is He of whom I said, After me cometh one that is preferred before me, because He was before me. John baptized Jesus that day. The Spirit came down. Rested upon Christ, the heavens were open, and a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And God was further manifesting that He was at work. And Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with Him. But God's work was not yet finished. In John 4.34, Jesus told His disciples, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. Three and a half years after His baptism, Jesus would gather together His disciples on the Mount of Olives and He would celebrate the Passover with Him. With them. The, the very supper that was instituted by God back in Exodus 12, Jesus joins to, to celebrate this with them, but this time it was going to be different. So different, in fact, that we often call it the Last Supper. Jesus took bread and He blessed it. And He said, take, eat. This is My body which is given for you. And then Jesus took the cup and He gave thanks. And He gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. 
For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But the work of redemption wasn't done yet. Jesus would then descend the Mount of Olives that night. He would cross over the brook Kidron, and as He got on the other side of the brook, about to head up to Jerusalem, He stopped at a garden. There He began to pray that night. Father, not my will, but Thine be done. Why? Because God was going to finish the work. Luke twenty two forty four says, and, and being in agony, He prayed the more earnestly in His sweat, were as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Hebrews 10, verses 7-9, through 9, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do Thy will, O God. Above when He said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said He, Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that He may establish the second. What was God's will? What is He talking about? It was for Christ to be our sacrifice. It was for Christ to finish the work of redemption that was pictured in all of those animal sacrifices. But the work of redemption was not yet finished. Jesus, He rises up from prayer and He sets His face like a flint to Jerusalem and the cruel cross of Calvary. And He told His disciples, He said, The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. He that betrayeth me is at hand. Jesus was betrayed and He was arrested. The council declared that he's guilty of death. The man who only went about doing good. And they spit in his face. And they punched him. And then they took a blindfold and they, they blindfolded our Lord and they began to slap him around. And they would say, prophesy unto us uh, who it is that smote thee. He was then taken before the Gentile governor Pilate. He declared him innocent. But the mob cried out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! His blood be upon us and our children. In Isaiah 53, verses 7, in the first part of verse 8, He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before His shears is dumb, so He openeth not His mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Pilate, in an effort to please the crowd and not have to put Jesus to death, he scourged Jesus. It left his body a torn and bloody mess. The Roman soldiers put a scarlet robe on him. They mashed a crown of thorns into his head and they gave him a scepter and put it in his right hand or a reed to be a mock scepter in his right hand. And then they bowed the knee before Christ and they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him. And Isaiah 50 and verse 6 says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. But the work of redemption was still not complete. They gave Him His cross to bear and they led Him up to Golgotha. The place of the skull, the place we call Mount Calvary. And once He was up there, they laid Him upon that cross and they began to nail Him to that old rugged cross. And brother Long, the sound of freedom was echoing out. 
the worst was yet to come. You say, what can be worse than being scourged and being nailed to a cross and left to die? What is worse than that? The sins of the world had to be placed upon the sinless one. And when that happened, and Christ became sin for us, God had to forsake His only begotten Son. And Jesus would cry out, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Isaiah 53, 5, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him, to put Him to grief, when thou shalt make His soul an offering for sin. Why? Why would it please God to bruise Christ? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then after all of this, after a 4,000 year trail of animal bloodshed, Jesus in John 19.30 would cry out from the cross these blessed words, It is finished. And He bowed His head and He gave up the ghost. Jesus laid down His life a ransom for many. And now there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, For even Christ our Passover lamb is sacrificed for us. Well, they laid Christ in a new tomb. But the grave couldn't hold Him. After three days, He would rise victorious over sin, death, hell, the grave. God had accepted the sacrifice of Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? All those sacrifices for 4,000 years, God said, I can't, I can't really accept those. That's not taking away your sin. You're still having remembrance of your sin year by year continually just as you're offering these animals. But in Christ, God accepted that. When man sinned in the garden, that sin Jehovah could not condone. The blood shed of animals could not forever sin atone. But the Son had compassion. And He said, Father, I'll be your Lamb. So once again, blood was shed as the soldiers nailed His hands. It's been three days since heaven watched their Prince of Glory die. His followers are in mourning, for in the tomb their Savior lies. But at the grave, something is happening. As death screams, I've lost my hold. Angels rise in anticipation for the Son is coming home. And there He comes. And He's got the blood that He shed on Calvary. And the Father said, well done my Son. This is the last blood I'll ever need. The work of redemption was now finished. God finished the work that He set out to do. And I mean to tell you this morning that God finishes the work that He begins. He finished the work of creation. He finished the work of redemption. So let me ask you, friend, this morning, what is keeping you from trusting Him to work in your life? 
Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. David said, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Paul said, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Peter said, God will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. In 1898, Cyrus S. Nussbaum wrote the hymn, Let Him Have His Way With Thee. And the chorus states, His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul. And then you'll see, t'was best to let Him have His way with thee. Or how about Adelaide A. Pollard's hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, in 1907. Have Thine Own Way, Lord, have Thine Own Way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after Thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Have Thine Own Way, Lord, have Thine Own Way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, wash me just now, and in Thy presence humbly I bow. Have Thine own way, Lord, have Thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is Thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have Thine own way, Lord, have Thine own way. Hold over my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only always living in me. Have you learned to let go and to let God have his way with you? Do you trust God with your life? He specializes at working all things together for good to them who are the called according to His purpose. But we have to yield ourselves to Him. Wouldn't it be far better just to let Him have full control of your life? Listen, you're not going to finish very good on your own. It will take God working in your life. Do you trust Him? You need to give Him all of you, every bit, and let Him conform you. Why won't you surrender your life to God? Wouldn't you just be better to say to God today, not my will, but thine be done. Why do you linger in your sin and in your, your, your miserable condition that it's not yielding any fruit and, and you're not happy in life and, and you're making a mess of things. Why do you stay there? Why do you fight the Holy Spirit pulling at your heart? Why do you insist on going on without God? Listen, the work is done. It's finished. Christ's blood has been shed for the remission of your sins once for all. You don't have to work for it. All you have to do is accept His free gift of salvation. Hebrews 12.2 tells us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Has Christ's blood been applied to your life? Have you been to that fountain drawn from Emmanuel's veins, which has been opened for sin and uncleanness? 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 20, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. For you. Listen, God will finish the work in your life. And He can do far better than we can. And and when He's done working in your life, He'll he'll be able to step back from that and say, it's very good. Don't put them off. And, And listen to me, please. You want to take advantage of God's finished work on Calvary. You want to. You say, why do I want to? Because there's yet another work that God's going to perform. In the revelation we are taught the day is coming when Christ will pour out His wrath upon all those who have rejected His Son. Revelation 16, 17, And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. It'll be too late then. There'll be no chance for salvation then. You don't want to be partakers of God's wrath. The only way to escape it is to have simple faith in Christ alone. Go to Him in faith and ask Him to save you and wash you clean through His blood. And if you'll do that, then you'll become partakers of that blessed day when all of God's works are finished. After He makes a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21, verses 2-6, through And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Are you thirsty for that righteousness today? Are you thirsty for God in your life? He said, I'll give you the water of life freely. God finishes the work He begins. He finishes the work He begins. Listen to me, dear dear folks. Listen. Don't Don't put it off any longer. You keep wanting to live life your way and it's not going too good. Why don't you just go to God? He said, I will perform a good work in you. And I've already proven He finishes what He starts. What are you waiting on? 
Your marriage isn't just going to miraculously get better. Your kids aren't just miraculously going to start following God. Your homes aren't just going to miraculously be blessed. And yet that sums up about the majority of the complaints I get. My wife this, my husband that, my kids this. Here's the problem, you're doing it without God. What are you waiting on? And if you're lost today, what are you waiting on? The price has already been paid. Let's, Let's pray.